Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. Stop when the music stops. Um, worship is a lifestyle. It's what you do with your life for the Lord, and uh, that goes into all areas, especially our finances and and we want to say thank you for those of you that have just stepped out in obedience over the last couple of years and just honored the Lord with, with the way you handle your, your finances. Um, if you would like to um, continue that, uh, there are several ways here at Wapak Naz. The joy box is at the exits, or you can go to wapaknaz.org uh, backslash give and uh, honor the Lord that way through your tithes and offerings there as well. Um, this past month, uh, before we go into the Word of God, this past month we've been walking through uh, the book of Acts through 2 Corinthians. And if you're behind, like I am, um, you still have a couple days to finish out 2 Corinthians. Um, and this month of March, we'll continue our journey through the New Testament. Uh, the New Testament from Galatians all the way through Revelation. Um, it's about 3.1 chapters a day, 98 chapters over 31 days. You'll have a few extra days in the month of April before we come back in on Sunday. But I, I challenge you to, to saturate yourself in the Word of God because, quite frankly, we believe that the Word of God does transform you. If you do not have a Bible, there's blue Bibles in the pews. Feel free to take one of those. Those are yours. We, we believe in the Word of God and what it does in our life, and we want to give that to you freely. Um, if you know someone who doesn't have a Bible, please take that and give it to them. If the lettering in that Bible is a little bit too small for you, um, like it is for me, you can take a brown Bible and, and use that as well. Um, so let's just move into the Word of God today, into, the, into the, the sermon. Would you mind bowing your heads real quick one more time? You can never pray enough. Jesus, we ask that uh, your Word truly just saturate our people and that you, you transform us from the inside out. I love you, Jesus. May you speak today. It's in your name we ask. Amen. If you are a note taker, uh, there is going to be lots of scripture today. So I would just suggest that you either pull out your phone, take some pictures of the, of the texts, uh, or you, you write them down or you chisel them in your stone uh, with your hammer, whatever you want to do. Um, <clears throat> when my family gets around the dinner table, uh, storytelling is kind of the primary uh, food outside of what we consume from the table. And uh, more often than not, whether the current events are talked about, we will eventually get to the story of our childhood. Um, most of them uh, I remember because I was there. Many of them I don't remember because I wasn't there, and I just know because of the retelling and retelling and retelling for the thousandth time. One of those stories that my mom would often retell is the story about my sister uh, in the day's BS. 
before Stephen. Now, I don't know what kind of pastor you think I am, but I know what you were thinking, you should repent. These were the, the before Stephen days. And uh, my sister seemed to really want to ha- ha- have a, a chocolate fix. And she wanted the candy bar, but she knew that she needed permission from my mom or my dad. And so being the intellectual one that my sister was, the wise one, she went down the stairs to ask my mom and dad for permission for a candy bar with chocolate all over her face. I think I learned much from my sister and much like her, if I ever wanted to stay the night with a friend or have a friend stay the night at our house, I would ask mom because mom was the softy she would more often than not say yes. Dad, on the other hand, would more often than not say no. Uh, so, but if, if mom said no, I would split the two and hope beyond all hope and ask my dad. But I would hope that he wouldn't say one of two things. Ask your mom. And as I've already heard the mumblings and grumblings over here, what did your mother say? Right? My, my sister uh, circumvented the hard question, right? Because she believed in her little blonde head, she knew what the answer would be. No. It's the hard answer. It was the answer that she didn't want to hear. And for me, I split my parents. I still asked the hard question, but I believed that for my dad, the hard answer would be no. And I didn't want the hard answer. You know, for us adults, I really don't think that it's much different for us. We prefer the path of least resistance, don't we? We prefer the easy answer, right? And in my opinion, the easy answer is the answer that we want and that it immediately benefits us. I mean, Google and Apple have made a gigazillion dollars on the easy, quick answer. Now, if you're wondering, I actually thought I made up that word, gigazillion. So what did I do? I Googled it. And I found that it is an actual word. And ironically, that word... Uh, The Urban Dictionary showed me that that word was used by the atheist Richard Dawkins in, of all books, The God Delusion. Um, So, for us, we've been talking about hard questions over the course of the month. Um, This was a a, a series that was a non-series, which turned out to be a series. And the hard questions that we have about life and about faith, more often than not, most of us will just scream at the top of our lungs out into the ether these questions that we have deep within our souls, hoping that there would be an echo that would return back to us with that answer, rather than asking the God of all creation, the God of the universe. And when we shout into the ether and nothing returns back to us we begin to fall into the delusions and the falsehoods that God doesn't care 
that God isn't compassionate, that God who is supposedly all-powerful didn't do anything, so he's not powerful, and we move into this idea that maybe God doesn't exist. Now, we've hammered that question and these ideas into the ground over the course of this last month, but I, I think for us, there's another scenario. And it comes out of the candy bar. And it comes out of wanting to stay at my friend's house or them staying at our house. I think for us, sometimes we circumvent the hard questions or we ask the hard questions and choose not to listen for the answer because we're afraid of the hard answers. We're just afraid to hear the hard answers that God actually has for us. And the hard answers are everything but the easy answer, right? The easy answer is what benefits us, what we desire completely and wholly. And the hard answer could be a whole lot of things. It could be the no. It could be the wait. It could be the leave. It could be the go. It could be the stay. In 2002, it was go, no, and stay. I was three years into my career, and my plan was be three years in and go get a master's degree in premarital marital therapy. And I was on par. I had already been accepted to a university down in Louisiana. I had already put in my resignation to the juvenile probation department, and I was looking at apartments down in Louisiana. And I was standing in line. I had, I had the go. I had the go. At least I thought I did. And I was standing in line with my papers in hand for the classes for the semester. I had the check. And then I sensed in my spirit stay. After I had already put in the resignation, Hardy had the conversation with the chief. I had this sense in my spirit stay. All that work, all that movement to hear stay, that was a hard answer to hear. It was confusing. I didn't understand it. In 2007, I got a hard answer. I wasn't even looking for it, but it came via my friend, Big Don, who was my boss and who was the youth pastor at the time. We sat down in my classroom and he said, hey, uh, I'm here to tell you that you've been written out of the budget for the next year. You will no longer be the junior high youth director at the church. I wasn't looking for an answer, but that was hard to hear. And so I immediately started looking for an answer because I knew that position put me into an impoverished situation with a mortgage. So I had to find a job, a real jobby job, a full-time jobby job. And I looked from May, June, July, looking for the job within two weeks of my last paycheck 
and I still didn't have a job. What do you want, God? This is really confusing. The hard answer here is, I don't know. And I'm not hearing from you. When we started here in 2013, my wife and I were just a few years into our marriage and we started trying and trying and trying and trying and it was praying and praying and praying and praying and here's the hard answer no well we'll go to the doctors we'll get the medications we'll do IUI anything short of IV uh, in vitro fertilization IVF and it was still no see the thing about hard answers is that regardless of the hard answer that you get the real answer in and of itself is do you trust me he's just asking you to trust him no matter the answer that you get from the Lord as you're seeking after him his answer is always trust me trust me trust me in this trust me in this answer trust me even when I don't give you an answer trust me that is the underlying underpinning bottom line answer of all of our prayers and all the answers that God gives us and he doesn't give us trust me it's the bottom line I think for us sometimes it's the seeking after the answer becomes a God in and of itself ruling our soul we just want the answer that's all we want And it shackles us to a point in time behind us. And it clouds our vision and understanding of who God is. And God is answering you saying, it's not about the answer, it's about trusting me. I will come through. There was a moment in the life of Israel, Isaiah chapter 31 verse 1 through 3 where and I, I think it speaks to our current situation over in the, in the global situation the Assyrian juggernaut was literally on the heels of the kingdom of Judah they were going to invade they had already started from the north coming into the south and what Israel started to do, the kingdom of Israel, particularly the leadership, started to draw, pull, pull at straws so that they can figure this thing out. And so who do they look to? They look to their own oppressor from years past. They look to Egypt. The book of Exodus is all about the people of Israel getting out of oppression and out of captivity and being delivered by the hand of God through Moses. Isaiah chapter 31, verse
verse 1 through 3 says, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help. You're going to the people who, who held you captive. Woe to those who rely on horses, who trust in the multitude of their chariots and in the great strength of their horsemen. But do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. But Egyptians are men, not God. Their horses are flesh, not spirit. Rather than go to the Lord, God, who delivered them from captivity, they go back to their captor. David, about a century and a half before this moment, penned some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. How easily and quickly I think we can forget that sometimes. Our situations are such that we grab at straws, try everything within our own power, rather than trusting in the Holy One of Israel, the one who redeemed us and saved us. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord. The Lord is the rock eternal. For me, what I held on in those times where I got those answers that I didn't want to hear. The hard answers. It was Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways. And He will make your path straight. And I, I like to add in, don't be wise in your own eyes. I think many of us are kings and queens in our own minds. Don't be wise in your own eyes. This scripture, when I was standing in the line and after that, this scripture, as I was told, you're written out of the budget. This scripture, as we couldn't have kids, this was the first scripture that I ever memorized as a believer in Christ. I don't know where it came from, but it was the first one. And I held on to this text. Lean not on your own understanding. I think we have a tendency to trust in ourselves more than anyone else. But sometimes... We choose things in our life that create chaos. How's that for trusting in yourself? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That is the answer of all your prayers. Trust in the Lord. So, as we receive hard answers... There's some hard truths that we must stand on. And one of those truths is God's ways are always higher than ours. This, this is where that trust comes in. God's ways and thoughts. Isaiah 55, chapter, chapter 55, 8 through 9. 
We read this entire chapter in Life Group on, on Thursday morning. We're only supposed to read a few texts, but I, I said, man, this, this, we need to hear this. The prophet was told by God and to write this down. It says, for my thoughts, God's thoughts, are not yours. Neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. Well, folks, we think we tend to forget because we're constantly boots on the ground on earth. We tend to forget that the infinite God has an infinite perspective. A perspective that not only goes behind us because he's outside of time and inside of time at the same time. It goes behind us to our past, to our present, and to our future. He understands the end from the beginning because he was at the beginning of time before there was time and he's here in the midst of our time and he sees the the end of all things and the beginning of the new things the new Jerusalem the new heaven and the new earth when Christ comes so if he has that perspective that infinite wisdom and ours is so limited and finite in the moment again we often think we know best for ourselves, but it's God that sees and desires the best for your soul not just your well being but for your soul his ways are higher his perspective is well above any of ours this is a truth that you can hold on to that even if we don't understand what God is doing he understands what's best for you and what he's doing I was listening to a book recently it's called How's Your Soul by Judah Smith and he he used the metaphor of an anchor now I'm not a sailor I just remember going out on my dad's john boat 12 foot aluminum john boat with aluminum seats so we decided to go ahead and put picnic chairs in the john boat with a trolling motor and this lame like two and a half pound anchor which didn't hold us anywhere but these big ships that actually need an anchor man they have massive chains and they go deep 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 to the bottom now you don't see the anchor but you actually experience what it's doing because you're not moving you're staying where you are it's the way God operates we don't necessarily see him working but he's working all the same 
He's there. He's moving. He's keeping you steady. He knows what he's doing. I think that's, that's a, a metaphor that, that resonates in my soul because often I, I, I just, I, where are you? But he's, he's below surface doing the work that he does. And he'll hold the course for you. The other truth, it's very important that we must hold on to. One, God's ways and his thoughts are higher than ours, always. But God is always loving. God is always loving. Love is not God, but God is love. God is love. The Apostle John, he was a disciple of Jesus, called off the banks of the Galilee because as he was a fisherman, and he became a fisher of, of men. He walked with Jesus for three years. He hung out with him. He ate with him. He smelled him. He watched him do a lot of amazing things. He was the only disciple who physically, with his own two eyes, watched Jesus die on the cross in his old age he was reminiscing he was looking back over his shoulder computing his life I think like many of us should and he wrote this letter it's called 1st John it's a very creative title and in that letter there's two particular verses in chapter 4 he says dear friends dear brothers and sisters let us love one another, for love comes from God. Remember, God is love, right? Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And he says it again, verse 16, God is love. See, John starts out this letter saying that we've seen him. We've, we've touched him. He was among us. And as he was processing Jesus, as he was thinking about this, this man, Jesus of Nazareth, he was coming to the conclusion of all of his experiences with Jesus that God is love. Because Jesus said, and John recorded it, if you see me, you see the Father. So as you see me, John, you see the Father, and as he concludes that he sees Jesus doing what he does, and that's very loving, and he computes and says, man, God's got to be love. There's no other conclusion that I can come to. I've reasoned it. I saw it. I understood it. I experienced it. I was loved by him. That's my conclusion. God is love. And it's, it's really affirmed and confirmed through the entire Old Testament and the New Testament that God is love. No wonder when he wrote his gospel, again, very creative name, the Gospel of John, John the disciple identifies himself as the, one, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now this is not an arrogant statement. No, John 
actually identifies himself from the love that he experienced from Jesus Christ. God is always loving, even with the hard answers, even in the no, even in the wait, even in the watch and pray, even in the silence, even in the leave, even in the quit your job and go into ministry, even in the move, even in the give and the forgiveness, the generosity. God is always loving. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the church of Rome, to the people of, of the church of Rome, it's like he was writing a letter to you. If I would write a letter to the church of Wapaknaz and Wapakoneta, it's, it's like that. He says, chapter 8, he says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? This is a man who experienced all of those more than any one of us. No. He said, in all things, all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced. He's been convinced over the time of hardships, persecution, trouble, the nakedness, the hungry, the famine, the abuse, the imprisonment. He's been convinced. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Literally, there is nothing in existence that can wield the power to separate you and me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. There's nothing. God is always loving. So when the hard answers come, or when you think that there's silence, God's ways are always higher. God's thoughts are always higher. And He's always loving even you in the moment where you're going I don't see it where is it the anchor's working he's there and lastly God's presence is always enough now I know that we talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago in the sermon downcast and hopeful God's presence is always enough. Regardless of the answer that you receive or the answer that you don't receive, if it's not the easy answer, God's presence is always enough. David, back to David, the, the shepherd boy who was looked over by his family, the giant slayer, the warrior, the warrior king, this poet, musician. We quote his psalm often 
primarily in times of grief. Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And I think many of us just stop right there. David, for quite a long time, was in the shadow of death. In the valley of the shadow of death. It loomed heavy over him. One from his own king who wanted to take David's life, who was after him tooth and nail. But also other enemies once he became king. David constantly was under attack. He had to weigh this out. And we have this psalm where this line comes in that's a really comforting comforting line. It's, let's pull up our bootstraps and let's keep going because I'm in the valley of the shadow of death. Death is looming over me. I cannot see the light of, of day in God. All I see is darkness. I will fear no evil. Now let me tell you, if you are in the valley of the shadow of death by yourself, fear is your only companion. Without doubt. But David continues. He says, for you are with me. That's the reason he's able to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and not fear evil because God's presence is with him. God's presence is always enough. God's presence is always enough. In fact, it's more than enough. Many of you have experienced somebody just being present with you through hell and high water. They didn't need to say anything. They were just there. The anchor's beneath the water, below the surface, working. And His presence is with you. Over and over and over and over and over through the Scriptures. People about to do pretty amazing, mind-blowing, off-the-wall types of things that God has called them to do, or facing mountains upon mountains, God continually said, do not be afraid, for I am with you. Again, our world is tangible, right? Our feet are on the ground. We are on earth. We believe in what we see touch, taste, hear, feel. No wonder it's so easy to forget that God is with us. This simple truth, and he reminds us, always, God is with you. His presence is always enough. I don't know what hard answers that you have been given over the course of your life. Maybe you have been a recipient of hard answers in the past week. Maybe you're seeking the Lord with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and you have yet to get an answer. 
Maybe you've been, you've asked the Lord to do something and he just didn't do it. All his answers boil down to trust me. Trust me. I see things differently than you do. I know what is best for you. My ways are not yours. My thoughts are not yours. How I do things may not make sense. But I'm always loving. And I'm always present. I'm always there with you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And I will go with you. I will go with you through the valley of the shadow of death. I will comfort you. I will hold you. These are truths that we need to remember when we get the hard answers, when we ask the hard questions. Would you mind just bowing your heads for a moment? Father in this pause and in this silence may we absorb the truth set before us may it enter our soul and our DNA begin a transformative work a healing work Lord I I don't have all the answers I wish I did but I don't but I know that you you are the answer Lord, help us. Will you develop trust in us? A trust for you. A trust to know that, kind of like Paige, she knew mommy would pick her up and hold her and hug her and kiss her. Or may our our level of trust be like that. that. We know, regardless of the answer that you give, that you, you, you understand and you see it better than we do. Much clearer. May we experience the love of God much like John did. Because when he saw Jesus he concluded that you're loving. Father, we 
We just simply need you. Simple as that. We need you. If you're here today, with your eyes closed, your head bowed, and you've lived this life the best that you know how, but you've come to realize that, man, I really need some help. And the conclusion that you've come to is that God is the one that you need help from. Through His Son, Jesus Christ. I'd ask that you you take the risk and you step across that line of faith. Maybe for the first time. And that you allow the Lord, God, to do a work in you that you cannot do. So I'd ask that you just join me in a moment of prayer with God Almighty. With all sincerity of your heart. Jesus, I I give you my life give you my life. I surrender myself to you. Jesus, I give you my life. As you gave your life as a sacrifice for our sins, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my life that I may have your life. A life abundantly. Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sins. I I give you my life. I want your ways. I want your future. I want your presence. Jesus, I give you my life. If you prayed that, if you said that in your soul and your spirit or audibly to the Lord you've crossed that line of faith God has now set up camp in your life he's in your soul he's in your spirit and you have started a new journey with him and I'd ask that just know that that's not the, be- the end of the conversation. It's just the beginning. If that was you, as we are still in this spirit of prayer, if that was you, I want to make eye contact with you. I'd ask that you look up at me so that I know that I can be praying for you, that I'm with you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these moments where heaven and earth collide, where we know without a doubt that you have entered the room, that you you are in the atmosphere, and that you're moving in our spirits to the core of our DNA, that you're at work doing things that we cannot do, that you're below the surface, above the surface. You are the living water that we are in. So we ask that you flood our soul. 
and we come back to the prayer we prayed at the beginning less of me and more of you our God our Savior I love you Father and I ask that you care for those that are in this room those listening on the the podcast that you, you care for them in the way they need cared for may they experience their your love in a very real way and may there be just miraculous healing in their soul and may they be active with you seeking after you and learning to trust you even in the hard moments I love you Lord Jesus I thank you it's in your name we ask today Jesus Amen would you please stand Folks, we love you. We do pray for you. Even if we don't know you, we do pray for you. And we're glad to have met you for the first time. You're always welcome here. Always. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And please, 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 will you love your neighbor as yourself. You have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday. Get a Nazarene nap in and a Nazarene meal. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.